Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today we have Rose Horowitz on the line with us, and she's done something impressive. She's created the Woman to Follow hashtag that's generated over 12 million impressions in its first two weeks. Um, she's a Pulitzer-nominated writer, and she's been doing a lot of things. Uh, Rose, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about um, what you do and how you got into what you do? Sure. Um, excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, yes, I created the Women to Follow hashtag trend, and it's become a movement to amplify women's voices. Uh, and uh, I created the branding on the show and, and have attracted sponsors and, and partnerships. Uh, last month, I created and hosted an online Women to Follow summit with a keynote speaker and 10 uh, prominent women from around the world. Oh, wow. Uh, so what got you started in that? Like, what was, like, the drawing factors to kind of bring you into creating this hashtag? And what kind of sparked all that? Uh, you know, I'm a journalist. And I guess about, you know, I started in uh, at the AP. And then I worked in for business papers. And then I, I started on social media and love Twitter. I love the immediacy and the, the news that you can, you know, share and get on Twitter and interaction. And uh, I just, I read a story, I just, that, that day, I read a story about the imbalance in Washington politics among journalists that uh, 82% of men followed and retweeted other men, you know, journalists, and the same percentage was true for women. And I just said, that's got to stop. Uh, I put out a hashtag that said, let's get this party started. I'm going to name three women to follow. And I tagged uh, other people in business and art, in the arts. And uh, I went to the library to write a story. And my, my feed just blew up. And it just kept going, you know, for, kept going. And uh, it was very exciting. And so it just, it was organic. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, I can remember like a decade or so ago, like there weren't really a lot of people who were following women in business and journalism or anything really. And it seemed like a lot of the voices out there were men. And I think around, what was it, maybe 2015, 2016, like you started seeing more women in publications and other things. And it started became, becoming more prevalent. Was this around the time when you started or was it sooner than that? No, it was actually after that. It was in 2018. Oh, wow. So, you know, I've always been aware of, of you know, the balance. I mean, it not I never had sort of this movement, but, uh, you know, I discovered going through uh, my, you know, garage when I was moving that I had done a poster at, at 16 or 17 of a scale, and I cut out women and men and made them, you know, equal on that scale. Uh, when I was intern at the white at the no at the United Nations, I had done a study as a graduate school uh, student as an intern uh, on the status of women in the UN. Uh, 
so I guess it wasn't a new <laughs> a new topic, but it wasn't something that I, you know, was had been written, you know, writing about and you know talking about before the before I did a hashtag. Interesting. Yeah, I remember like around that time, like let's say someone were to write a list of the top X influencers to follow, business, marketing, um, IoT, whatever it may be. Like a lot of those lists like leaned heavily on the male spectrum and a lot of women started speaking out and saying, look, it's not uh, gender inclusive. And um, like nowadays, it's a lot more balanced than it used to be. But back then, it really wasn't. Um, yeah, and that's not so long ago. One of the groups that I heard about uh, is called Gender Avenger. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, but they uh, developed an app that you can measure, you know, when you go to a conference that will tell you, you know, how many men and how many women. Uh, and uh, also they created, you know, that men could sign and uh, that they won't speak, you know, no more mantles, you know, they won't speak at a at a conference where there are only men. Hmm. Uh, and Sri Srinivasan, I don't know if you know him, I think that's how I first heard of your name. <laughs> uh, but he's a... A digital creator and was head of digital at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and he start he was doing. Uh, I I got to know him and and that whole group um, through uh, some social media weekends that he was doing in Manhattan, uh, and he he mentioned you know this. So at his conference at some of his at his last the last conference that I attended, I guess it was in two thousand eight. Have been in the spring of two thousand eighteen. Uh, Gender Avenger was there to, to like, make sure, you know, like, because he had signed that he wouldn't speak on any, you know, all-male panels. And so that, so when I saw this story, it was, it was a tweet from Gender Avenger, but it was based on a, on a university study. So I, you know, I think that, 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 that's one of the big things I think that started to change. It's still, still not, you know, it's still not even, but I think that awareness, you know, those groups like that, started to make people aware that, oh, no, it, it isn't cool to have an all-male panel. Yeah, and no, things are also moving in the corporate world as well. You're seeing more and more women um, land leadership positions, which is really good to hear as well. Uh, of course, it's not equal, as you mentioned, but um, that... that uh, that divides kind of getting closer and closer to being even. It's going to take a while, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I, you know, I mean, uh, in pay, I think in the U.S. we're what at eighty-two percent of you know what men earn, uh, but in the boardroom, it's it's I think I don't know eleven percent or maybe it's higher, maybe it's close to twenty, uh, but. One thing that's interesting, you know, the Wikipedia, okay, I started seeing that they were talking about getting more bios for women. So a group called Wiki, Wiki Woman in Red started, uh, you know, with Twitter, on Twitter, but they're, you know, have conferences and all to get uh, more bio, biographies of, of women living and, you know, dead uh, recognized. Because right now, if you, Wikipedia, when I started this hashtag, it was about 16%. And it's now at 19 point something percent. So that's still only, you know, a fifth of the bios that you see on Wikipedia are women. 
Well, it's good that they're making a movement to put more women on Wikipedia. I believe that a lot more women should be recognized on Wikipedia, especially the ones who are living and doing marvelous things with their lives right now. Um, I know personally when I was working over at the university at the med school, like we had a male dean, then another male dean, then we switched things up and put women deans in, and that was a big change. And overall, for the main university as well, uh, we put a woman president in charge as well. So um, we've seen that, in, uh, at least on our side of the country over in L.A., where a lot of more women are kind of moving up in the ranks at um, very large places. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Did you do you did you find a did you see a difference in the kind of leadership? Um, uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you, you, you know, when someone's like at the top of the organization, like the um, what what they're doing to uh the regular uh, person who's working there, like the the direct impact isn't as noticeable i mean to the public perception there's more noticeability but i'm not sure if it changed anything in regards to our departments okay well i mean i guess that you know studies have come out from harvard and mit and other lots of world i'm not sure i can't cite exactly but that have come out and said that when the, the workforce is more diverse and more you know both diverse and more women um that they're seeing it change in leadership, you know, change in how things are done? Um, I'm not sure because like I mean, our, de- our department... Over- your experience. I'm just saying yeah. in an overall way. Yeah, like our department overall was um, uh, directed uh, under management of a woman for uh, since I got there. So um, maybe our department already had that impact and that's why it was less noticeable. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that well, could be the case. People want to see people, you know, that look like them. So, uh, sure. you know, when I've interviewed uh, doctors, uh, like I, I interviewed, uh, her name is uh, the, the head of kind of the head of OBG when I at, at uh, Downstate. Claire, uh, I'm forgetting her name. I will, uh, Claire. But anyway, she she was the first, I think the first, you know, first uh, black woman head of the department. And, you know, that's part of her mission um, in Brooklyn is to show women, you know, what leadership can be. That's awesome. Um, maybe my perspective is a little more skewed because now that I recall, like when I was working at American Honda as well, like um, our mm-hmm. department was led by a woman as well. And maybe all the large companies I worked at were led by women, at least in the departments. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> I'm like, did it change? Or, or it was more of what it was because of the departments that were led by women that um, I was working with. So. Maybe I didn't see much of an impact. Maybe if you compare it to more like the um, startups and the smaller companies I worked at, like those were usually male-led, and uh, yeah, it's pretty different <laughs> in that aspect. <laughs> but um, I'm like, uh-huh. uh, like thinking about, it, I'm like, wait, did it not change because the woman was already in charge? Yeah, I, th- I think that could be why. <laughs> 
Well, I guess it sets a precedent, right? And it yeah. sets uh, a model for how things can be. Yeah, and I, I mean, think that's important. That it's a lot more organized when a woman's running a department, at least from what I've experienced. Um, for um, smaller, male-driven departments, it seems they're more... Um, hit this objective, hit this milestone, do this, and then okay. like um, for <clears throat> other women-led departments, it's like, is the flow going correctly? Are we doing this right? Are we making sure to dot our I's and cross our T's to make sure that the experience is uh, the right type of experience that someone should be going through, as opposed to just hitting numbers? So um, mm-hmm. that's that's a that's unique thing. Yeah, I just a little more thought of that now. And, like, what's that? I'm sorry. I just thought of that now. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, that you're saying that uh, things were uh, more organized and more uh, analytical and a big picture, like in an organized way than yeah. the leadership you saw from some of the yeah. Um, a lot of the male-driven departments in the past have just been hit this number. The how you get there, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> just hit this number, something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the end result. <laughs> yeah, basically. Here. Basically. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like, mm-hmm. while the end results in mind um, for the woman-led departments, like the um, details of what goes into getting there is a lot is stressed upon a lot more. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's there, it gives you more of a roadmap when you're working in a, uh, for for that kind of uh, department or company. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've worked with some men who've had some roadmaps, but they're a little bit more loose (laughs) than like how they're structured. Mm -hmm. Then thinking about my own management style, I'm a little loose when I do. I'm like, well, yeah, you you could do something like this, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it. (laughs) So I I know. (laughs) (laughs) You figure that out when you should have for yourself. Yeah, like I'll, I'll give general direction, but uh, like I, I don't like showing someone how exactly to do it. But if someone's struggling, I'll be like, I'll sit with them and be like, okay, you go like this to this to this to this and this. Um, you could either copy it this way or put your own flair onto it and do it your way. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I do formulas that much when I'm like having someone do something. Mm-hmm. And now, do you, do you, in your work that you do as a consultant, are, are you consulting with equal number men, women, working with them as, as partners? Uh, yeah, it's about equal. A little more scaled to men's side, though. A um, little bit. Mm-hmm. But Getting close to being equal. Um, <laughs> a lot of women do reach out to me to work with me, which is nice, though. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break, however, and we'll get back to what we're discussing. Okay. Where can people find you online, Rose? Uh, they can find me at my Twitter handle, which is RoseHorowitz31. Uh, I also have a website, which has all the latest uh, live stream shows I'm doing and uh 
updates, and that's at woman-to-follow.com. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America in Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Rose Horowitz. And we've been talking a little bit about how Rose went out there and started the woman to follow hashtag and how that generated so many impressions. And what was interesting is Rose kind of started her career out at AP and now she's producing and helping a lot of women in the DEI field, which is diversity, equity and inclusion. And in that whole mix, like there's got to be some progressions that kind of happen. You don't just go from writing from AP to immediately going out there and producing DEI type content. So um, in that process, process um rose you've gone through a few different steps and you've had to pivot a few times can you kind of walk us down like the journey what was like the thought process behind it and kind of the different steps you had to make to get to where you are and kind of like give us an outlook of what that kind of looked like and what that kind of entails because a lot of people might be wanting to do more than what they're doing already mm-hmm Oh, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, I started, I, I guess I always wanted to be a writer, and uh, 
a journalist, and I, I started a Harlowitz family newspaper when I was 10. I guess I was pretty intent. Uh, and after I went to grad school, I, you know, worked for the AP and covered, you know, everything um, and wrote for radio. So that was interesting because I hadn't done that before. Uh, and then I worked to, went to work for a business paper that was based in New York City, and I, I covered international trade and shipping. Uh, and then for an L.A. paper where I covered aerospace. Uh, and then I started a family and I began to work freelance. Uh, and I worked for like companies, uh, you know, some corporate like American Express. Um, but I also, I was published in the New York Times and Forbes. And so the reporting skills that I had as a daily reporter, you know, I could use, you know, to take away and do some uh, hard-hitting and investigative kind of stories that I did for, let's say, Forbes. But I also did, you know, a story about domestic violence after, you know, something had happened where I was living in Connecticut. Uh, And then, you know, the world changed. I mean, look at, you know, look at media, right? So the world changed in, I'd say, especially around, you know, 2008, uh, you know, where we saw online, you know, groups like BuzzFeed and Huffington Post. And so so things were changing, as we know, you know, advertising was dropping. Um, and so I had to change with that. And a journalist friend said, well, you know, if you're going to want to learn, and I, you know, I was started to be interested in Twitter, but a friend said, you know, if you're going to be interested in Twitter, you know, get involved with this community that Teresa Unilaston has built. And so I did, and I made friends, and I, you know, built up my account, and I loved I guess what many people love about Twitter is its immediacy and how you can connect with anyone, right? I, I connected with you and we've never met, uh, you know, and I think you were one of the people three said to follow. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when he said top, you know, media people to follow, you were one of the influencers and uh, experts as well as like Guy Kawasaki, I remember, and, you know, a lot of people that are still do, doing their work, but, but everything changed, you know, wouldn't you say in the world of media? Do you know what I'm, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of shifted pretty heavily and it's not what it yeah. used to be. That's for sure. Um, back then, like it was really fun, like things were good, but then like the times have changed where, um, like, as you mentioned, BuzzFeed is now looking at bankruptcy and uh, I mean, it was a really fun publication to read, like, and then now Mm -hmm. it's like going under, which is quite sad. Um, you have a lot of people thinking that AI could write reliable content when it does not do that great of a job now, at least. <laughs> and then, like, they're trying to replace a lot of people who are writing um, great pieces and trying to think that a machine could go out there and do the same thing, which it might be able to do at some point. But right now, I don't really think so. Um, and also... Um, <laughs> the rates for a lot of writers has kind of gone down yeah. because people think that 
low rates and more volume is better than Mm -hmm. getting a high quality piece and uh, yeah the market's kind of shifted a lot in regards to content and finding those signature pieces where you're like wow this was written really well it was researched well this person really knows what they're talking about like Mm -hmm. it's it's getting uh, fewer you're, you're seeing fewer and fewer of those pieces and you're seeing more of like the fluff which uh it's kind of what's out there now, and it's kind of disheartening. This is true. This is true. But, you know, I, I think that the, yes, the rate changed. So, like, a same publication that I had done a story for a business, uh, it was an online business publication, and I said to the editor, who I knew from the newspaper world, I said, you know, like, what is this? I, I usually get, you know, 700 for a story, and now it's 350 for this. And he said, like, they've been halved. Like, this is, you know, in that, that time period, uh, you know, around 2008 and the crash and that big crash. But then the other thing that happened, like you mentioned, is that uh, everybody could write because everybody could go online. Everybody could say that they are going to cover whatever, you know, a school meeting. Like, um, do you remember the days of Pat's, right? So yeah. their editor called me and said, like, it would be amazing. Like, could you cover, like, school board meetings for us? And I said, okay. You know, or, you know, when I talked to, I think I might have done the woman to follow already. And I, you know, or something more interesting. And he said, oh, well, no, no, we just want the school boards and, and we'll pay you $50 an hour. <laughs> hmm. I'm not an hour. I mean, a story, a story. So, you know. There was somebody on my block who, you know, where I lived on this cul-de-sac who really wanted to do that work. And she did those stories for $50, you know, but I had a credit, you know, I had experience. It wasn't like I needed to get my feet wet and, you know, there's nothing wrong with school board meetings. But then what happened is that those, you know, the weekly, like where I lived in this small town in Connecticut, just folded when it was bought by a bigger company. Hmm. Uh, so not only do you have, you know, less, like you're seeing like these high quality, but, but many of those journalists are gone. But if you want yeah. to keep that news alive, right, you still have to be, you know, I think that now there are some nonprofits and, you know, other ways of, of delivering news, particularly, you know, going from, I know an editor would have been at the Times who's become an editor at a small, uh, in New Jersey. And I think it's called the local record. Um, and that newspaper has been weekly, and they're going from print to only being online. That so sucks. you know, it's total total change. But you know, you have to if you want to keep working, right? If you're a writer and you want to keep writing, you you know what I learned to do is to change 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 what how I was working, where where I was writing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then during the pandemic, uh, the way I really got into you know, broadcasting in my in this way is that uh, Sri Srinivasan, you know, had taken a what was supposed to be a in person, you know, media event, you know, social media weekend, and made it uh, it went online within you know ten days, of, you know, with like fifty speakers or and things like you know, and I and he said, you know, I, I think I want to do a live stream show about COVID. And I said, I'm in. <laughs> Does anybody want to help? So I became a producer for that show. Uh, and we did 250 consecutive you know, episodes about all 
you know, aspects of COVID from, you know, doctors in Italy who were trying to figure out what was going on and, and to, you know, actors in New York City and what they were doing to, you know, talking to restaurants, teachers, you know, parents, uh, you know, uh, how businesses were, were adapting. I think that would be a good shift because if you kind of think about it, like let's say you wanted to do a solid investigative piece that could take anywhere mm-hmm. from like three months, six months, maybe even a year of just seeing the research, getting mm-hmm. all the sources and so forth. And then when you think about like the rates nowadays, like if someone dropped that rate from 700 to 300, like a lot of investigative journalists wouldn't, wouldn't really go for that i mean like the times might um be a more of a safe haven where if you're on salary you could kind of take that Mm -hmm. time to really go out there and create something like that but they can't put all their employees onto a salary like that to go and gather those types of pieces or else there just wouldn't be any content and i (laughs) i think the shift that you kind of made does make sense and with that woman's hashtag you created with the 12 million impressions by creating more of that network um getting um i think you said 50 50 women in 10 days uh well no in in well oh, 12 i had 12 million impressions in two weeks so i, I haven't really tracked it since but i i should oh. but, you know it's been oh no uh, and then um, what i was the, saying the summit you had 50 women oh. present no, I had uh, 10, 10 women. I mean, I've, oh, 10 women? over the course, I started my show in July of 2021, and uh-huh. I I had interviewed about 40 women. And then when I did the summit, I had interviewed, you know, I had like 10, a keynote speaker and, and three panels and total of like 10 guests and two producers for that event, online event. So creating that 12 million impressions kind of brought awareness to you where you could get the 40 different women to speak with over the year and also the 10 people for the summit. So it kind of helped you build that um, library of content that you're going out there where you have DEI and inclusion and you're putting more uh, faces and voices out there for the world to also see. And I think um, one thing that was really interesting that you did is I think a lot of people during COVID what they did is they started to panic they didn't know what to do they had a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. um, a lot Mm -hmm. of stress um, just um, not really certain what to do for the next steps in life you're out here creating 250 episodes in regards to COVID while a lot of people are just struggling with um, the fears that COVID had brought upon the world so uh, I think that's pretty remarkable in in and of itself well, thank you. Yeah, it was it was cool because I had never thought of myself as a producer or a broadcast person. But, you know, when we did these shows, we started using, I'm sure you, you used uh, StreamYard, but we start, we used that. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I became familiar with how that, you know, how to post. And, and then I live tweeted, too, for every, you know, so I would get many of the guests because I did have all these contacts, you know, as a journalist, as a woman. Um, and the host, you know, didn't couldn't get them all right. So I get, I got a lot of women, and we we were very conscious, you know, talking about DEI. You know, we had uh, 450 guests in those 250 episodes, and 56 percent of them were women. That's amazing. Which is, I think, 
unusual, right? Because we would never do a show if we had, you know, five men. We would say no, you know, even three men. Uh, and and then when we, if we had five women, that was fine, you know, because <laughs> you could always have a woman panel. Uh, but we also made sure those panels were diverse in terms of, you know, who was, who was speaking. Yeah. Uh, and sort of that, I think having that, you know, structure uh, of those, those like, you have to count, you know, I think you can't just say, oh, we're going to do better. Like, you, ha- you know, in a way you really have to count because if you're doing like a whole big, you know, I mean, it wasn't a product. We just, we kept going because I mean, when we started out, we didn't know how many episodes we do, right? We thought in two weeks and this will be over. Once you start something, what can come of it? So what happened is two, two women surgeons in New York city, uh, wanted, you know, were dismayed by all the disinformation we were seeing about medicine, and they had the idea to do their own show. And so I was uh, produced, became a producer for that, and I helped name the show and then, you know, develop uh, some of the scripts and, you know, content. Uh, and the show was called She's On Call. <laughs> so because the woman, when we talked about what, you know, they faced as a woman, it was that you know, not only were their patients, you know, always, you know, were they on demand for their patients, but they would, their kids, you know, their family, but like they, one of them said that she went to a, a rock concert and the drummer at the end, you know, said, uh, uh, doctor, could you look at my back? Like, I have this thing, should I see a doctor about this? <laughs> you know, so, you know, so I thought she'd on call. And so, so that was, and then I built their, um, I've done this before, but I had, I built up their Twitter account, you know, from zero. Um, and then That's the awesome. live tweeting, you know, that utilized my ability as a journalist, you know, to be able to, you know, uh, tweet what somebody's saying, take a screenshot. You know, that was all new. Was yeah. All new to me. I, I think one of those things that's kind of interesting is um, when you're going in journalism, you're taking a role where your voice is out there, but you're not like in front of a camera. You're not um, <clears throat> talking to someone else, like with an audience who's watching. And then producing on the other end, you are kind of doing all those different things. And for a lot of people, like there might be some fear that's kind of instilled into what if people um, have opinions about what I'm saying and things like that. And then like there's... Uh, some of the fear factor that comes in where people are scared to try doing a new thing. Um, What's some things that people could kind of do that maybe you did to kind of overcome some of those challenges to move from writing to being on the camera? I think, you know, you have to just start. I mean, I was fortunate in that I sort of eased my way into it and that like, I wasn't, I might've, I didn't host the, the first episode or didn't interview, you know, what maybe my host would introduce the show and then he'd say, and now Rose is going to interview. I interviewed Maria Ressa, for example, I booked her and, um, you know, who won the Nobel peace, peace prize, um, 2021. Uh, because I, I already, you know, I, I certainly knew what questions to ask. I just didn't know necessarily how to look at the camera, you know, so yeah. one of the key things is, is finding where that camera is and just being comfortable and just saying, you know, like taking a deep breath and saying, I can do this. And, 
and doing it, you know, and one of the ways I think people can begin is like, now I have something, um, sometimes I use, it's called, you know, photo booth on my, my Mac and I can take myself and see how, see how the background looks, see how I look, see, see the pace of it, uh, time it, you know, and now I can, you know, put out, uh, short videos and I, I also can go live. I, I, you know, if you're somewhere and you see something interesting and you're a journalist, like I, I covered, uh, I was at a poetry, uh, Pen America celebration, well, protest <laughs> after the election, uh, in 2016. And the poet Rita Dove spoke. She's been, a, she was a poet laureate and I, I thought it was amazing. And so I started taking video and then a chorus, a group, a choral group sang and I was able just on my phone. Okay. And I'd never done this really as a reporter, just on my phone, uh, take the video, look up the name of the song, look up the name of the choir, you know, get everybody's hashtags and put out a tweet that was immediately like, you know, shared. And, you know, there wasn't, uh, I think there wasn't a New York Times reporter or something like, you know, someone like that covering this event, but that idea of just taking the moment and saying, oh, what can I do with this? You know, That's at any awesome. level, because I even did, you know, I, I even did this work <laughs> that was supposed to be a parade, you know, for, uh, I guess, Memorial Day, and it was rained out. And so on our block, some of the people got together and got a truck and, you know, the kids, they, we made a parade and I took film and I sent it to the local, you know, Channel 12 station and they used it. <laughs> but no one was, you know, saying, hey, you know, how, how can we send this out to, you know, and get it on a local news station? I think that's something else that has changed. Like technology has got so good that anyone's phone recording could appear on the news. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And and that happens. And and then during the pandemic, we saw all these people in their homes, right? (laughs) Which was totally, you know, you really didn't see. I mean, maybe, you you know, and, and that opened up the world of, oh, you know, kids and dogs and, you know, how your background looked. And it was almost like, you know, you, oh, well, this is what Rachel Maddow's basement looks like, I guess. And this is what, uh, you know, an actor's uh, studio looks like. And you, usually they go to the studio, so you don't get that part of it. Yeah, we got to take a little glimpse inside um, a lot of people's lives, which was pretty interesting. Um, It's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get amplified. 
Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Class. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The soul of enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with the Replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Rose Horowitz. And we've been talking a lot about the pivoting that kind of moved during COVID and during the old time of journalism and how Rose kind of moved from writing to producing and a lot of the different women she's been meeting and promoting the diversity, equity, and inclusion within them. Um, Recently, you've been working on a project called Amplify Woman 365, Rose. Can you talk a little bit more about that, what it is, how it works, and what you're doing with that? Sure. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, especially during the pan, you know, during the women's, I, I decided uh, I'd done all my shows and they were, you know, and I had a sponsor for six months of it. And then I said, hmm, like what, what else, you know, what's the next thing I can do? And I thought of this woman, to, a woman to follow summit. Uh, that would be, you know, in, in to, to, to kick off women's history month. But I did it in time the last day in February, February 28th, because I knew how crowded that space gets, how it would be hard to get guests, how it would be hard, you know, to get attention. Uh, And then over the course of that month, I saw, like, you know, a group that I work with and other groups, you know, they would put out, um, you know, video or, you know, interviews with, with, or, you know, or just list like the 10 women in their, you know, top, you know, field and, and promoting DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I thought, well, that's, you know, for me, that like, that's not enough to do it one month a year. Uh, and somebody asked me, I did a lot of shows, you know, to promote my show. So I did like eight or 10 in the span of, I put the whole, this, this, you know, summit together in, in five weeks. Uh, and I, I, so I said, well, you know, somebody asked me, well, 
you know, what do you think? You know, what do you, why do you, and I said, for me, Woman to Follow is, you know, Woman's History Month is 365 days a year, mm. right? Because, and then I thought, hmm, you know, and I was talking to my event producer, Jennifer Navarrete, and I said, and she said, you know, that's, there's something to that, Rose, <laughs> you know? So I went to GoDaddy and, and I, you know, own the hashtag Amplify Woman 365. And the idea is to take what I've done for like, like this program I did for Intel, where I created, they wanted to highlight, you know, one woman was um, Hispanic. One woman um, was like head of uh, LGBTQ, you know, the employee uh, group for that. And one woman uh, was a vice president of uh, DEI for, for Intel. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to highlight these women, and uh, they had an idea for like a pod, a podcast, but I didn't think it looked branded or really sharp. And I said, why don't I do like I do? You know, you streamyard and do interviews. And of course, you know, Intel they wouldn't they didn't want to give me my producer, you know, their hand their their uh, you know inside information to get on their handles and they were you know so we did it as recorded interviews yeah like 20 minutes 30 minutes and then i worked on so i you know polished those and then i i also wrote profiles of you know one one male executive who was inter- with dei and then these three women in different you know these different departments and so and then the woman you know put it on they used it on linkedin and the the group uh, this technology group in California, you know, used it as part of an effort to do a report on glass ceiling 2.0. You know, there had been a report on the glass ceiling in 2000, I think in 1995, and they were updating it. So they, I put together, I can put together, you know, a woman to follow kind of show or stories or however, you know, any organization or company wants to do it. I can put that together because I can conceive it. And then, you know, um, what I hope to do is, you know, either I can host it, they could host it, we could get a, a professional actor to host it. Uh, and I can certainly, you know, do social media for it. So, you know, because I think that, that it's, uh, you know, if you just promote women, to, you know, if you just promote women and the, the history of women and the, what women are doing in your organization now, or you just look to the past, you're not addressing that women, you know, need to, that we're still so far behind in terms of representation. Like in, in AI, I think I saw a statistic, somebody in AI said, like women are only 5% of the people developing AI. That's a problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. And because that's, you know, so if you don't have women creating and developing new technologies and part of the organization, then you're going to be, you're not reflecting the population. Well, a lot of the problems with like technology, AI included, is a lot of bias is built into AI, whether the designer of it realizes it or not. It's based off like their personal bias, their group think, and so forth. So if you have mm-hmm. like 20 men and one woman working on a project, is there enough of that female voice saying, what about this? What about that? What about that? Like, um, it's, it could easily, their voice could easily be toned out of the conversation where 
where the AI does not reflect a lot of the things that the uh, female perspective would come up with. Right. And, and I think that the goal of, you know, a lot of technology is it does, like for me as a journalist, it, it does, you know, it democratizes what we're doing, right? And the same for AI, that, you know, somebody who isn't a programmer can supposedly, you know, do programming, uh, you know, ask what a programmer would ask and doesn't need to know, be an IT specialist to be able to create a website or, you know, all these things. But so if you're going to create technology, you want everybody to be able to be represented. Yeah, for and it's sure. Huge. It's like you say, you know, it's 20 men creating, you know, uh, writing the program or, you know, and, and one woman. And and what I've seen, I don't know what your experience has been, but, you know, on my in my circles, you know, on Twitter, everybody is talking about AI, everybody. And I do know a lot of women who are doing it. They're just not the people you might see on the news, you know, or the experts that are quoted when 60 Minutes does a story or when the New York Times does a story, you know, like maybe maybe in some industry publications. But uh, I think in the NFT space and, and in AI that, that women are involved, but they're not, you're not seeing them in, in such prominent um, as spokespeople. Yeah, like when you think about um, NFTs, for example, like probably mm-hmm. 99 men's names come up and maybe one woman's name. <laughs> so that's uh, it's kind of sad. Well, I mean, what I, that's what I try to do. You know, on my summit, I, um, the third panel, the first panel looked at women in the world, and I looked at three, like, hotspots that are trouble for women now, you know, in Ukraine, in Afghanistan, and Iran. And then the next one was about uh, entrepreneurships and how women can move forward. And the third one was about women uh, leading in AI and Web3. And so I did have uh, Shira, do you know Shira Lazar? Uh, no, her name doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, she created a whole website uh, called uh, about trending news, and, and now she's in the NFT space and talking about wellness and things. And so she was, uh, you know, she has a big following. And, and because, you know, everybody, I don't know if you've ever tried to organize a conference or get guests, but everybody says, well, who else is going to be there? Like, you know, when you're going to a party, who else is going to be there? You know? So so once she heard who else was, you know, part of my panel, um, she agreed. And so I think, you know, by doing events like that uh, and having this hashtag and having Amplify Women 365, the idea is the more the more you get at women's names and what they're doing um, and they're, hear their stories you know, hear from them. And, and that's what the uh, beauty of, you know, social audio, radio, um, live streaming, you know, can do uh, that people will hear these women that they really would never have hear, heard about, especially if you're a journalist, right? And you're only watching network news or you're only, uh, you know, uh, you're not reading a paper like the New York Times because local papers, I don't know what they're doing in coverage of AI, but I, I wouldn't bet they're, you know, on top of it in the way that, the New York Times or the Washington Post or the LA Times would be. A lot of women have remarkable stories as well. Like I remember seeing um, 
I think it was the SVP or the VP of、um, ads over at TikTok do a speech, and she talked a lot about her personal story over in New York with her mom and everything. And it was pretty remarkable. And、um, a lot of these stories, if you think back like ten, twenty years ago, may have never even been、mm-hmm. told. So there's a lot of progress that's being made, and a lot of people are able to actually witness and experience these amazing stories being told by amazing women. So that's a good thing. That's kind of happening nowadays. Yeah, and some of the women you know who, who have shared their stories with me say, you know, I want my you know my children to be able to see this. I want my daughters to be able to see that, you know, that that these women are, are being counted and and recognized. Yeah, and it's definitely something that could happen, especially with the preservation of so many things on the internet with YouTube and so forth, where. A lot of this content is now becoming legacy content that could be、um, experienced for hopefully generations to come. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,、uh, yeah. You're building up content, and you're building up. You know, you're, you know, like with my show. If you go to my YouTube channel, you know, you I, I have 40 shows, and if you're a man and you want to interview a woman, I mean, there's you know, 40 for you right there. Plus, you know, I do Twitter lists of you know women, prominent women.、Uh, so, you know, so you you know you can't just say, oh, well, I don't know any women. You know, like as a reporter or organizing a panel or you know conference, you can't say, well, I don't know anybody. You, there are there are places to look, and so yeah, the more that people like me,、look. creators, yeah,、uh, uh, well, you know, there are more. Oh,、um, well, is there any、um, final things that you wanted to leave with our audience before we end our show? Yeah,、uh, believe in yourself, trust yourself. You know, when you have a passion, you know, it probably didn't come out of and you know nothing. And once you like realize where that came out of, you know, you'll realize like I did that it, it might be long, you know,、uh, have been there a long time, like in your garden a long time. You just didn't see it. And once you see that, it gives you more confidence to go ahead and pursue, you know, a new thing, a new dream,、um, a new way of of working. Yeah, I think if people have that itch to kind of go out there and do something, they should give it a try because it could become larger than life, just like it has、um, for Rose. And anyone has the opportunity to really go out there and do that.、Um, if anyone wants to follow you, Rose, where could they find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and all platforms、uh, under at Rose Horowitz thirty one. I also have a website that's woman hyphen to woman to follow dot、uh, com. But the easiest way and the way to reach me in all my places, I think, is to follow me right now on Twitter at Rose Horowitz thirty one. Awesome. That's R O S E H R O. H O R O W I T Z thirty one. You can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Stream. We'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Stream with Leonard Kim every Thursday at four p.m. Eastern Time and one p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out. Stand apart. And become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.